Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in today's program, you want to talk about a psalm that you say is a wonderful example of how recognizing that God is the Creator can be an encouragement when we face difficult times. Yes, Scott. There are a number of dynamics in our lives that I suggest can and should be influenced by our understanding that God is the Creator. And the effects of that understanding go beyond just an intellectual acknowledgement of the fact that God is the creator. A confident recognition of God as creator helps and encourages us to know that if we indeed have a relationship with him, it is a relationship with the one who had the power to create everything, the heavens and the earth and all they contain. And he is still actively involved in maintaining and controlling his creation, including the things that affect us in our daily lives. It sounds like you're saying, if I have a relationship with God, then recognizing that God is the creator as part of that relationship can and should have practical results in my life. Well, thanks for putting it in those words, Scott. You're welcome. That is what I'm saying. So in my own experience, understanding how great and awesome my creator is invigorates my worship of him my appreciation for who he is and what he has done. And it gives me a sense of amazement that he would have anything to do with me, let alone die in my place so I could be with him for eternity. Those thoughts remind me of David's words in Psalm 8 when he says, When I consider your heavens, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? Is Psalm 8 the psalm you're going to consider today? It certainly could be. But it isn't the psalm I have in mind, Scott. I want to think about Psalm 121. Ah, one of the songs of ascent. Yes, and although we know David wrote several of the songs of ascent, it does not appear that he wrote Psalm 121, even though the thoughts written down in it are the kind David frequently expresses. It's a short psalm, as are all the songs of ascent, so let's read it and then consider what it means. You go ahead and begin, Scott. Okay, Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. So that's Psalm 121, eight short verses. And if I didn't know better, I would definitely guess that David wrote it. Yep. But since it is introduced simply as a song of ascents, and four of the other songs of ascent are identified as being written by David, as well as one by Solomon, I think we should understand it was probably not a psalm of David. And that being the case, Dr. Scripture, if it was written before David's time, it's neat to imagine him singing it when he was a boy, Hmm. traveling with his family as they made their way to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. That is a neat thought. Yeah. And you've highlighted an important aspect of the song. It was sung by the Israelites as they traveled to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. As they ascended to Jerusalem. That's correct. And although the thoughts expressed in the psalm specifically related to the difficult journey 
up the mountains to reach the city, that journey is like a microcosm of our whole life. For the believer, our life is a journey of faith, one which takes us up and down and through many twists and turns, a journey filled with challenges and unknowns, joys, dangers, and rewards, and does indeed ultimately have a destination. For the Israelites, it was the temple in Jerusalem. For the New Testament believer, it is heaven and the presence of the Lord. And in both cases, this psalm helps the pilgrim focus on the presence and protection of the Lord, here and then and now. So, let's discuss the psalm. From the perspective of the Jew traveling to Jerusalem, as well as the Christian making his or her way through life. It begins with verse 1, saying, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? Can you imagine the Israelites singing that? Definitely. As they were trudging their way up a steep road, they Mm -hmm. could look up and see the mountains around and above them. And knowing they had further heights to climb yet, I can see them wishing for help. (laughs) And along with the physical challenge of the hike was the mental challenge. Knowing there were potential dangers from robbers and thieves or even wild animals along that route. I would even think that unless you'd taken the journey many times, you might be concerned about taking the right road. Well, those are all, metaphorically speaking, the kinds of concerns we Christians have along our journey of life. Concerns for our physical well-being, for threats from a sometimes hostile world around us, and many uncertainties revolving around decisions we must make. So when we need help, where does it come from? Well, I can't speak for everyone else, but my help comes from the Lord. Good answer. The answer the psalmist gives in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. But that's not all he identifies in this psalm. He identifies the Lord as the one who made heaven and earth. He reminds himself that those mountains standing in front of him were made by the very same God who will help him get through them. And to me, that is very practical. Whatever obstacle we may face, whether it's a mountain of a problem or just one of those everyday inconveniences, the one who made heaven and earth, the one who put that obstacle there in your path, is also the one who is there to help you handle it, to take it away, to help you overcome it, to guide you around it, or to be there to endure it together. But whatever the quote-unquote mountain may be, it's not too big for your creator to handle. You see, I'm a firm believer in the notion that the bigger we perceive our God to be, the more we will place our confidence in Him. And believing He truly did speak those stars and mountains and oceans into existence enlarges our vision of Him when we need Him most. The psalmist then goes on to mention some very practical applications related to this help the Creator gives. He will not allow your foot to slip, it says. Now that is quite literally for the pilgrim on his way up the rocky road to Jerusalem. A significant assurance. But as a metaphor for us, my thought goes to one of my life verses. Proverbs 16, 9. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The Lord won't direct your steps to a spot where you will slip. (laughs) In other words, he won't allow your foot to slip. 
Now, I've taken plenty of steps on my own and slipped, but never because I was doing the Lord's will. Hmm. And then the psalmist interjects an idea that's really almost humorous. Read the lines about God sleeping, Scott. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. (laughs) Now, that reminds me of when Elijah was chiding the prophets of Baal. You know, they'd been pleading and pleading their God still hadn't sent fire to consume the sacrifice. (laughs) And so he was saying, maybe Baal has gone on a trip or perhaps he's asleep. (laughs) It's pretty comical to think of a God who doesn't answer your prayers because he's taking a nap. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, our God doesn't need sleep. The Lord is always aware of our needs and available to help. And as the one who is always able to help, the psalmist identifies an important helping role the Lord plays in our lives. He uses the word keeper several times. In verses 3 and 4 that we've already read, it said, The Lord is he who keeps us and who keeps Israel. The idea of a keeper is a guardian or protector. And the psalmist points out, The Lord is our keeper four more times in verses 5 through 8. The same Hebrew word translated keeper is then translated three different ways in the next four verses. But it has the same sense in each verse. Verses 5 and 6 say, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Then verse 7, Scott. Verse 7 says, The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. And verse 8, The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. So, keeper, protector, guardian are all descriptions of our Creator. And again, as the Creator of all things, the Lord can surely protect us from anything He has made. Interesting. It makes the point that He protects us from the sun and moon, which is a reminder that He created the sun and moon. (laughs) Good observation. And I'd say there's one other less obvious allusion to not necessarily creation, but to events that took place very near the beginning. Scott, do you know what the Bible records as the first question anyone ever asked God? I think I do. It was spoken by Cain when he asked, am I my brother's keeper? Exactly. And that word keeper is the same word used six times here in Psalm 121. What what a contrast between Cain and the Creator when it comes to keeping one another. Cain, representing man, not only can't fully protect his fellow man, it's mostly our fellow man that we need to be protected from. Well, Abel sure needed protection from Cain. Mm -hmm. It's so ironic that man's first question was motivated by an evil conscience. Yes, and instead of having a heart that wanted to protect his brother— He was trying to protect himself. But from the very beginning of God's word, he continually demonstrates that he never tells us to do anything he is not willing to do himself. And the Lord does indeed protect us, as the psalm says, from all evil and keeps our soul, that is, guards our very lives, if we let him. And sometimes even when we don't let him. Amen. The one who created our life is the one who will protect our life. 
But let's face it, we tend to want to take control ourselves and foolishly depend on unreliable sources for help and protection. In fact, we can go along for quite some time on our own and not even be aware of how our independence is separating us from God and taking us down a dangerous road. And so in love, because he is our keeper, he brings us into a situation that confronts us with our need for his help. In the case of the Israelites, he made them have to take that difficult, dangerous journey to Jerusalem to meet with him in the temple. It's a different road for us, but it's a similar journey. And the wonderful, practical reality is, the one who made the road, the one who made the heaven and the earth, the one who made you, cares for you and keeps you. And that is totally amazing. Amen. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says.